God's good. Oh, man, so many good things going on around here. You know, yesterday we had just this awesome day, and um, we went over to Kimbrough, and we fed a bunch of guys and gals, and, um, and I want Tammy to stand. Here's Tammy who put the whole meal together. She did such an awesome job. It went so good because she worked so hard, and it, you know, when you organize and you put your you put great people in it, then it just flowed, and it was a great time, and the testimonies and all that. Then all of you who served yesterday, you guys were just amazing. All of those who served at Kimbrough, would you stand, please? Come on, stand, stay. Give them a hand, City Point. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget our drivers. That Man, you see that big old truck out there? That was like my... When I got that truck and it was showed up here, and I, because I was thinking, you know, truck, and not truck, and I'm like, oh my lord, you know, there were two things really on my heart then that was really, the enemy tried to put me even in fear over it was who's going to drive this truck, <laughs> and uh, and then the weather, you know, there was an 80 percent chance of rain. Um, hey Terry, would you get my Kleenex right there? Somehow I picked up a piece of a chewy lifesaver, and it's very distracting. It's, it's not a booger, it's a lifesaver. Okay. And uh, what was I talking about? Oh, the truck, and then the weather, you know, and... So we prayed, I prayed really, I'm like, Lord, please give us a window. And we, ever, we even moved everything up, a, uh, we moved it all up an hour and a half, which makes things even challenging because everybody was set to be here at 11.30. I, 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 I said, we, we really need to get here at 10. Tammy got on the phone and called everybody. We put it out and we did here, we got there. It, and and it, here's the coolest thing ever though. I mean, the weather was it was perfect, really. It was a little windy, but that's okay. And we had a great day. We got it all in. And, and, uh, and how about, I mean, the testimonies and the, the worship and the service. And I don't know, there was 20-something men and women who stood at the end and prayed the prayer for salvation. It was just a great time in the Lord. And, um, and so we got loaded up, got it all back here, got everything unloaded. I put the last cooler Get this, I put the last cooler in the shed. I was, I was the last one here, just one more thing. I think, you know, everybody, had, we were all done, and I forgot one cooler, and I was taking it. I put the cooler in the shed, locked the door, got in my car, started it. Before I could even put it in reverse, the heavens opened, and it started raining. And I looked up at heaven, and I just kind of smiled, and I just heard the Lord say, I got your back. So it was just awesome. Thank you, everybody. I mean, it was a great. Now, here's the thing. I just want to throw a little thing in here because I was talking with some of the ladies at lunch, and I promised them that we weren't just going to show up there and do this and forget them. So there's some real ministry going on there, and if you want to be a part of it, you need to see us. You need to see Julie because we go, we, I want to do something. I, even Brad, I would like to get these ladies back here on Sunday mornings. 
And if I have to meet with the powers that be, I, if you could set that up, because I remember we used to put, put them right over here in two rows. We'd have 14 or so ladies come every Sunday. And then the devil acted up, you know, he, like he always tries to put a kink in things, and, and they shut the whole thing down. But I really sense this is a time, you know, and they were, the ladies were saying, man, we would love to have, we would just love to have ministry, and a lot of them have come out of places and county and, and, and facilities where they told me they had absolutely no opportunities for any kind of ministry, but at Westfield, they have opportunities, and we have opportunities, but we just need workers. Pray that the Lord will raise up workers. If, you put it, if he puts it on your heart, let us know because we want to get you in there. You can, you can minister to these, these, these uh, ladies, if you're a lady, if men, to the men. Uh, there's, and I don't know, there's just a great field of, of harvest there, and, and I just want to, I want to take advantage of it. Amen? Amen? So it was a great day. All right, enough of that. I, I want to I get to the message um, this morning, and uh, oops, Bef before I get into the actual message, though, I want to share with you um, about a dream that I had last night. Now, I, you know, I don't get up and talk about dreams, and people even, there's people who wonder, you know, and they get all squeamish about dreams, and and things, but I can assure you that dreams, God uses dreams. And the Bible talks about, you know, Joseph uh, dreamed dreams. Uh, Jacob had a dream. Um, dreams, Peter had a, here, here's a good one for all the, you know, people who, you know, want to get all tripped up. Peter took a nap on a rooftop and fell into a trance. And God showed him something. And I, I'm not, I, so we're on day 21 of the Daniel fast. And I, I, I got awoken early this morning. And I don't, I'm not a big dreamer. So this is a rarity for me. But this was the whole purpose for me in the Daniel fast is I'd been asking God for clarity and some revelation that, of something that uh, to, to step out and move forward with. And and uh, so he, I want to just share this dream with you, and you can take, take it for what it is, and, and, um, but I, I want to share it because I want it to become a part of the record so I don't, I don't just move on past it because I have a tendency at, uh, in the past, I have, I have kind of sque been squeamish about it myself because I didn't want to base my life and ministry on a dream. But then I realized God, God called many of men and they based their whole life on a dream that they had. And, uh, and so, but anyway, I don't know if this is that kind of a dream. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I'm sharing it and, and I want to share it to make it a part of what God is doing because I think it's a part of this whole 21-day fast, which is ending tonight when I cut into that steak. Or chicken, I don't care as long as it's meat. <laughs> in my dream, and I wrote this down when I woke up because I, I didn't want to miss it or lose the detail because it was very vivid. I mean, it was like a movie. I, it was like I was watching a movie. And in my dream, I saw a truck. <laughs> it wasn't as big as that truck. 
But I could, it was a very distinct truck. It was a ministry truck. I recognized it right away. On the roof of the truck was a platform that you could, you could speak from. And, and the truck had a, had a side that flopped down and a platform that people could get ministered to. And I saw kids gathered around the side. And then on the other side of the truck were windows where people could get fed. And it was feeding and, and, and nourishing people who were starved. And there was a lot of people. This truck was sitting in a big empty parking lot and lots of people were milling around it. But when I walked up to it, on the, I saw up on the roof, I saw a, uh, I noticed three distinct people. And um, as I walked up, I rec- it's like I recognized them immediately. The one I recognized as the leader and it was a devil. And he was on the roof of the truck and he had no mercy and there was no love or no kindness in his eyes. There was no love in his heart. And he stood on top and was trying to shoo people away from the truck. He was making hissing sounds and shouting and his anger was coming from him. And so I decided to go to the truck and go to the ladder that took you to the roof of the truck. And as I walked up, I saw another man, a big man, a bully, shouting obscenities and threatening and accusing me. His name was Accusation. And then I saw a small man lurking in the shadows, sneaking and hiding, alluring and distracting people, and his name was Deception. I climbed to the top of the truck, and I grabbed the devil and was ready to fight, but it was so much easier than I had anticipated or was expecting, and with one motion, I just hurled him off the roof of the truck, and you heard him hit the ground with a loud thud, and everybody gasped, and his lifeless body laid there, and people gathered around it, and I went down from the ladder, and and I began to fight the bully, and I hit him, and I hit him as hard as I could, right in the mouth. And he went down to the ground and I went on top and put him in a hold until the authorities came and they handcuffed him and took him away. And then I went looking for the little deceiver but I couldn't find him. And as I was walking and looking, authorities came and arrested me for killing the devil. And when the crowd saw what happened, they all began to cry out. It was like a loud concert prayer in the form of a protest that ascended to heaven. Everyone from the least to the greatest was marching and praying. And as they prayed, the truck, driverless, began to move. And it went through the streets, and as the people continued to cry out, the driverless truck continued to move through the city, and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people got saved as that truck traveled down the street. And then I woke up. 
I believe that driverless truck is the ministry of the church, which is under the control of the Holy Spirit and the cry and the march of the church is intercession that drives the truck. And I believe that the two men represent the two major forces that we have to deal with if we're going to see the enemy routed in our city one to Jesus Christ. There's certain aspects of the dream that I don't understand. I still don't under, I never, I kept asking what happened to me. But that wasn't the important question because what I saw was the ministry was rolling and God was saving. And so with that in mind, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Titus. And I'm going to minister today part two, if I can, there we go, part two of a message that I began last week called All Mixed Up, and last week we talked about the rest of God. This week we're going to use as a subject, delivered or deceived. In Timothy, or I'm sorry, in Titus chapter 3, I'm going to read several verses today, so I want you to bear with me. In Titus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Remind people to be subject to rulers and authorities. To be obedient, to be ready and willing to do good. To slander or abuse no one. To be kind and conciliatory and gentle. Showing unqualified consideration and courtesy toward everyone. Let me ask you a question. Is, is that the spirit of the world that you see manifested around you today? The world's not subject to authorities. The, the world's in rebellion. There's actually a lawless spirit that's been released into our nation at this time and it's challenging all the structures and all the authorities around us. There's this ready, it says, be ready and willing to do good. It seems like there's a flood of evil and evildoers that have been unleashed in our land today to slander or abuse no one. Look at the spirit of slander and abuse and if you don't believe it, just go to Facebook. To be kind and conciliatory and gentle, that's, again, not the spirit of the age. There's a harshness, a, 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 a mean spirit. Not conciliatory, not seeing how do we get together. It's, it's just anything we do that we, we would separate over and become contentious over. And there's certainly not a gentleness and there, there's not a, a meekness. There's, a, there's just a hardness in the heart. And he says, showing unqualified consideration, thinking of others, courtesy, just common courtesy. That, again, is not the spirit of our age. Young people today have forgotten, please and thank you. Parents, that's mostly your fault. Because you give them everything, and you don't teach them to be grateful for anything. Here's a word that I want to teach you this morning that you need to say to your children at least once a day. No. Everybody practice it. Doesn't that feel good? Just, you say, why? They go, why? 
you, 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 because I said so. Because see, some of you forgot that you're the parent. You're not their best friend. You never were meant to be their best friend. You were meant to aggravate them, irritate them, pay them back. Come on, moms, think of all the pain and suffering you've been through. My wife's favorite line to her kids was, look, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. That usually ended the conversation right there. The threat of death has a way of doing that. <laughs> but see, this, this, this spirit, I want you to look at that first section right there and, and look at the attitude, look at the spirit. It's something, it's something so excellent. It's an excellent spirit. It's a spirit that doesn't respond in kind with what the world is giving you. It's a, it's a spirit that, that is, is yielded, it's humble, it's, it's ready to help, and it's, it's kind, and, and it re- reacts with gentleness and meekness. And, and, and this, is, this is Paul's writing to the church. Now if you go down to the next verse here. This is not working for some reason. It says, for we too... We're foolish. We too once were foolish. So he's, you know, remember, he hasn't changed it. He, he says, now, you go back to the verse 1 and 2, and he says, we too were foolish, because that's what, that's what verses 1 and 2 represent, people who are foolish. It's foolish to be disobedient, and it's foolish, but this is what he says. We too were once foolish. I, I, I was a fool. There was a time in my life I was a fool. I acted a fool. I was a fool. I was disobedient. I would, I would disobey just because I, I thought it was my job to disobey. It was just that rebellious thing that, that I was dealing with that I, that I wasn't even aware of the spirit behind it. But I, I, I was disobedient. And here's the one. Let, write, write this one down because this is the one we're going to come back to today. Deceived. I was deceived. I was enslaved to various sinful desires and pleasures. <laughs> yeah, amen. I mean, he's just describing my life before Christ. I was addicted to those desires. I was addicted to those pleasures. I was spending and wasting my life in malice and envy. That was, that, that, he's describing our, our, our former life. We once, everybody says once, thank you, sir. We once were foolish. We once were. We once were foolish. And, and we were all of these things, and we were full of malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So you see, Paul's talking about, he's, he's contrasting your life now in verse 1 and 2, and then he talks about your life before in verse 3. Everybody with me in that? And so, that, I mean, does that pretty well nail it, I think, for all of us? I don't know about you, but I mean, some of you were better by nature than I was. Some of you really, you know, some of you were brought up in a Christian home, and, you know, and, and, and even though you were brought in a Christian home, you still had to come to know Jesus. But you started from like here, and then Jesus took you here. Aren't you glad for that? There's no wall he won't kick down. No lie he won't tear down. See, some of y'all started here and you got to here, but I, I, was, I wasn't, I came from way down here. 
That's my story. It, I came from, I was a heathen. I was really good at it too. And my family didn't, you know, we weren't church going. We weren't Bible believing. We weren't, we weren't being taught principles of life and character wasn't even an issue. I was a character. I had none. I could tell you stories, but I don't want to ruin your opinion. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. I want you to know I'm really good now. If I tell you the truth, y'all would probably look for another pastor. But I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I started from way down here, and it's been a journey. But the grace of God, see, if you go to the next verse, uh, this verse, it gets, it gets good. It really gets good. There we go. Did you do that, or did I do that? So, I don't know. Maybe, Tina, just hold your position. Okay, so look at verse 4 says, but when the goodness and kindness of God, hallelujah, <laughs> when the goodness and kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, see, God loved us in that, he loved us when we were in that place. And what, what, what did God come to us with? Did he come to you in wrath and judgment? No, it says he came in goodness and kindness. Why? Because it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. You get, you get saved because you see the goodness of God. Not, you don't get saved because you see a terror, but terror doesn't work. God knows it doesn't work. He, he showed us his goodness and kindness and his love for mankind, and it appeared in human form as the man, Jesus Christ. He saved us. He delivered us. That word saved is such a powerful word. It's how he delivered us from darkness. He brought wholeness. He brought restoration. He brought, he brought forgiveness. He brought, here's what he says, he saved us not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration. That's what the new birth is. It's when your spirit is born again or born from above and you come alive and uh, that old man dies. And that's the transformation and regeneration that comes because Jesus came as a man. And by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, oh, hallelujah, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he makes you a new man. He deals with all your mess. And that's the, that's, the, that's the way that you know you're renewed by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ our Lord. He just pours it on us, Amen. And so, so this is the work of God. Now, here's what he does. He's showing you the contrast. Here's, in verse 1 and 2, he's showing your life before Christ. In verse 3, he's showing you your life after Christ. And verses 4 to 6, he shows you how you got there. And so the key is in that he saved us, he delivered us. And when you got delivered, you got brought out of all of that old stuff, especially, now listen to me, this is the key word here because it's about deception. It's about deception. He, he, we once were deceived. When you come into the light, your eyes are open and you're no longer deceived. Everybody with me? Are you with me? Anybody here deceived? Nobody's going to raise their hand. <laughs> I knew that. I just. But that's, 
Do you think if you were deceived, you would know it? No, because your deception is that you don't, you're deceived and you don't know you're deceived. That's how I tell people, you know, uh, when I talk about being lost, here's how you know you're lost. You, here's how you know when you're really lost. When you're lost and you don't know you're lost. I know how you men are. You're never lost. I've been in the car with Terry, and Terry said, Mike, we're lost. I said, oh, I know exactly where we are. And I'm just going to drive faster like that's going to find us. She's like, Mike, why don't you pull in right there? And, you know, this was before the days of cell phones and Siri and, and um, Maps and Google and all of that. And she said, why don't you pull in there and ask? I, I can't do that. That's like an admission of failure. And we would drive and drive sometimes for a long time. And, and then she'd say, I told you we were lost. And I'd say, get behind me, devil. And, and, and that's the thing. I would be lost. But my, what, what, would, what would keep you from admitting that you're lost? Pride. Your pride. What would keep you from admitting that you, you bought into some lie in your life? pride. So I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 14. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you this morning a little bit, and we're going to identify the source of, this isn't working at all, so go to the next slide, please. Isaiah 14, verses 12. We're going to read, actually, verses 12 through 15. And I'm going to keep reading and commenting, Tina, and you just go to the next slide when I get there. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, light bringer. I'm reading this from the Amplified. And you know, if you're reading from a King James, it says Lucifer. And that's what the word Lucifer means, star of the morning or light bringer. Isn't that interesting that, that he was created an angel? He's talking about uh, Satan and his beginnings. And he says, you fell from heaven, star of the morning, light bringer. Isn't it interesting the New Testament says that Satan comes as an angel of light because he was originally created as a light bringer. This is why you need to test everything that comes your way because Satan has the ability to make something look really good, to transform himself into an angel of light. And you have to really be discerning to understand what spirit is behind that. Is that a God thing or is that of the devil? Because, you know, I've seen the devil throw many opportunities in front of me and other people. And if you're not discerning, it can look good, but it's got a hook in it. After all, isn't that what he did to Eve? Here, eat this. This will make you be like God. Well, that sounds reasonable. I want to be like God. Don't you want to be like God? I mean, I'm, I'd like to reflect the nature, the character. I would like to be like God. That's a good thing, to be like God. To, I want to be like Jesus. He said, here, eat this, and you'll be as God. But, he did, but she said, but the Lord said, I can't do that. I can't eat that. And she added something to it. She said, I can't even touch it, which the Lord never said not to touch it. He said, don't eat it. Because in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely 
die. So he offers it to her. She took it and she did eat. What happened there? She was deceived. She got tricked. And so it says, O star of the morning, light bringer, son of the dawn, listen to this, you have been cut down to the ground. You who have weakened the nations. Now, this is Satan's principal work. You know, Satan is out to deceive nations. That's his primary goal. He's, he is working against nations to make goat nations instead of sheep nations. And he does that through deception and bringing lies and nations building themselves on the principles of death and darkness. And he implements nations and, and, and deceives them and weakens them. Do you see what's going on in our country in the last century? Satan has been steady trying to weaken our nation. Are, are, are you, you, you understand? Satan, all this stuff, that's, a lot of these battles that we go, well, I'm, I'm for this or I'm against this, but we, but we really need to understand the spirit behind it. Okay. Because we, we have got to, listen, um, listen, as an American, you should be concerned about what direction America is going. Because, you know, I know some of y'all got a bad spirit about, about this thing, and you're like, well, let her go to hell. Well, let me tell you, as an American, you're in the boat. I'm just not giving up on America. I'm not giving up on America. I know America's in crisis, and, and he's, the nation's been weakened, and all of, this, all of this stuff the enemy has done, and a lot of the arguments and things that are being fought in Washington and everything are, are spirits that have been tried to have been injected. Look at, look at where we've went as a, as a society to where today it's, you, can't even, you can't even pray in a public school. The Ten Commandments taken out of courtrooms. Illegal to put a manger scene in a city hall yard. All being driven by demonic spirits. And the church goes, not much we can do about that. Oh, yes, there is. But let me, let me stay with my... <laughs> You said in your heart, I, now listen to this, here's how Satan got brought down. You said in your heart, you said, now where was Satan? Where was Satan when he said this? He was before the throne of God. He was a cherub that worshiped God. He, he, he was a worship leader in heaven. We're going to see that in a minute. But you said in your heart, here's what he said, I will ascend to heaven I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the, heavenly, on the mount of assembly in the remote parts of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Look at, now what, what are the two words there that, that resound in every one of those phrases? I will. And every one was a statement of pride. I will ascend to heaven. He, Satan became jealous of the worship that God was receiving. 
And he said, I want to be worshipped like that. He became, he became ambitious for his throne to rise above the throne of God. He, he became envious of God's power. And he wanted to be like the Most High God. But now look at verse 15. It says, but in fact, you will be brought down to Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for hell, to the remote recesses of the pit, the region of the dead. So here Satan was in this high, highly lofted position. Go to the next slide. I want, you to, I want you to see in these verses, here's what you find. Satan's origin because he was created in perfection. We're going to back that up with another verse in a second. You see Satan's nature, because once, once he became lifted up in pride, that became Satan's, that became his hallmark, that he is, uh, he is a prideful being. Third, you see his work. His work is deception and accusation. You see two examples of this in the Bible that are primary, that you need to read and understand. You find Eve and Job are the two primary places you find the two primary works of Satan. Eve represents deception and Job represents accusation. Isn't it interesting? The two men in my dream were named deception and accusation. And so Eve in Genesis 3, 1 to 7 was deceived. Job, the Bible says Satan came along you can write this down and read it later. Just trust me, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It says this, that, that Satan came before the throne of God, and, and, and God said he was bragging on Job. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, if you just take your hand off him, he'll curse you, and, you'll, and, he'll, and he'll curse you and, and, and die. And God said, oh, no, he won't. And so God did actually lift this protective hedge around him because Satan was... Uh, you know, he was challenging God, and he said, and Job, you see, read the book of Job. What was, what was Job's thing against, or, or Satan's thing against Job? It was accusation. The book of Revelation says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Here's two th ways that Satan accuses. He accuses God to you. God's not going to come through for you. God's not going to pick you up here. God's not got your back here. God's not going to help you. God's going to forsake you. He accuses God to you, and he accuses you to God. Yeah, that's the guy, that, that guy right there, he ain't right. He's got sin in his life. And he just accuses you before God, accuses you before God. And these two, two, these two works of Satan are his only two, his two tools. Satan has no creativity. He has not created anything new. He's been doing this for several thousand years, and he's still doing it, and to some success today, number one, because Christians have not learned how to deal with the accusation of the enemy because many Christians do not know who they are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, a lot of Christians are, get deceived because they live a carnal life, and the further you drift away from Jesus the easier it is for Satan to deceive you. I don't notice, notice nobody shouted here, but Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, I fear lest Satan in his subtleness deceive you in the same way that he deceived Eve. 
Now listen to my heart today because notice I'm not up here spitting and sputtering. I'm just telling you because God, God has just, God has given, I think, a great insight here because I, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want to give any more attention to the devil than, than, than he deserves because God, I want to, I want to lift up you. And he says, I'm going to show you how to do that today. And this just totally wrecked me. Because let me ask you this, if you're, if you're involved in deception or accusation, how do you defeat the devil? Go to the next slide, please. Oh, wait, back up. I want to hit that last point real quick. Satan's defeat is Christ, the anti-Satan. I thought, I like this because this is a little play that I, God, I, you know, we always hear, everybody wants to talk about the anti-Christ. Let's talk about the anti-Satan. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, the Antichrist. Who is the Antichrist? And, you know, we're so good at, like, naming people, like setting dates. It's worked out real good for us. I knew believers who said Obama was the Antichrist. I'm like, nah, not going to work. Pedal that somewhere else. Get out of my face. But, but believe me, when the Antichrist is revealed, he's not been revealed. When he is revealed, we'll know who he is. But let me tell you where my faith and my confidence is. It's not in the Antichrist. It's in the anti-Satan. <laughs> let me tell you something. The Antichrist isn't going to have the last word in this country, in this nation, and in this world. The Antichrist is not going to determine the outcome of how this all plays out. The anti-Satan, Jesus Christ, is going to determine how this all ends up. Now I've went to preaching. And so go, go to the next slide. Thank you. <laughs> I could have fun with that right there, but I really don't even have the energy. You were in Eden. This is Ezekiel 28, verse 13 to 17. This is talking about Satan. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, lapis lazuli, whatever that is, the turquoise and the emerald and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and your sockets was in you. The workmanship of your settings, your sock, everything was in you. What, what was really in him was, was worship. This is worship. It's all represented around the throne of God and the worship of God. That's why Satan was created as Lucifer, as a cherub, to lead worship. They were prepared on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers and protects. I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire, the sparkling jewels. Next slide, please. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until righteousness or unrighteousness and evil were found in you. See, the Isaiah, going back to Isaiah 14, that was the unrighteousness, the pride, I will. So he says, from the day you were created until unrighteousness and evil were found in you through the abundance of your commerce... The word commerce there represents trading or prosperity. So when he began to prosper in his position and he, he realized the, 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 the worship and the adoration, the success went to his head. How many people do you know that poverty and lack did not ruin them, 
but success did. Boy, have I got a story there, but I don't have time to tell it. He says, and you sinned, therefore I have cast you out as a profane and unholy thing from the mountain of God. Get this, Satan, who was in the mountain, in the presence of God, was kicked out. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, for from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud and arrogant because of your beauty. You destroyed your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And I cast you to the ground and I lay you before kings that they may look at you and be a lesson for you. This is the glimpses God gives us. There's not a lot that's a lot, really a lot in the Bible about Satan, but these are those little glimpses that give us his nature, his character, his work, and his, 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 his past. And so what you see is God took care of the enemy. Now the question you have to ask is how did God do that? How did God do that? Go to the next, to the next slide, please. How did God do this? 1 John 3, 8b, it says, for this purpose, everybody say this purpose. What purpose? For this purpose, what purpose? For, the, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy. The, the word destroy there is to untie, to, to unloose. Satan had come, got kicked out of heaven, he got tangled up on the earth and deceived man out of his, his inheritance and his heritage and his promises and his, all of his, his identity. And then he says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested. How did God cast Satan down? For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, put on display. That's what manifested means. It means to put out there and let people see it. Because when you put it on display, it leaves no doubt. So when Jesus came into the earth, he came for this purpose, that he might destroy, untie, put an end to the works of the devil. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus was there when Satan got kicked out of heaven. He saw him when he took his place on earth and usurped man's authority and gained control and access to the earth. And then Jesus was there when he decided, he said, here am I, Father, send me. And in the, in the plan of the ages, Jesus came, manifested in the flesh, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. Everything, listen to me, everything Jesus did, every miracle he performed, every act he did was a manifestation of the power of God in a man with one mission, to destroy the works of the devil. He had one mission, one purpose. It was to destroy the works of the devil. He wanted to undo everything Satan had done. Aren't you glad today that we're here because Jesus came to undo his 
work, the, the work of Satan in us. I was deceived. I was disobedient. I was unholy. And Jesus came to undo the works of the devil and give me a place of redemption and restoration and delivered me from deception, from accusation. And because of whose I am, the devil has nothing in me. He has nothing on me. He has nothing for me. And so here's the, here's the deal. How did Jesus really do this? This is the part that God just messed me with, up with, you know, because, you know, I get, like, get thinking like this, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus just, he just bullied Satan. No, he didn't. Because Satan is a bully. Hello? You don't beat a bully by becoming a bully. You don't beat sin by sinning. What did Jesus do? Go to the next slide, please. This is a portion you need to underline. You've heard this before, but I don't think you've ever heard it in this context because I've never heard it even preached like this. Here's how Jesus defeated the bully. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I mean, here's, here's Jesus, who was God, equal with God, had the position that Satan wanted. Uh, hello? Jesus sat in the seat Je that Jesus sat in the seat that Satan wanted. Remember when Jesus came to the earth and his first time out in, 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 in public ministry? Where was he? He was in a wilderness because he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And it says afterward he was hungry. I say amen to that. I mean, he ate no food for 40 days. And the devil appeared to him and tried to do what? Deceive him. But I, there's, there were three particular temptations that the Bible identifies. But get this one. Satan comes to Jesus and says, if you will fall down and worship me, all of these kingdoms that you're after, I will give them to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Do you know what the opposite of worship is? Pride. Let, let me say that again. Do you know what the, worship, the opposite of worship is? Pride. What got Satan kicked out of heaven? He stopped worshiping and became full of 
You want to beat pride in your life? Because every one of us struggle with it. You can't tell me when things start going good and you start seeing good and, and you start walking in good, there's a temptation to think, wow, man, look at what I've done with all of this. Man, I am God's man of the half hour. Hallelujah. And, and you start, it's not hard to get lifted up. But you want to stay in the right place with God? Stay in a position of worship because you can't get in pride when you're in worship because worship's all about him and it's not nothing to do with you. And as long as you keep it about him, you'll do all right. But the moment you make it about you, you have been deceived and will be brought down low. That's good preaching right there. That's why much of the church is powerless because we're in pride. We think we're all that and a bag of chips. But if we just stay in the presence and stay worshiping God, Pride won't enter in. But the moment you start thinking about you and the moment you make it about you, you move into that. And here's what he says. Now listen to this. He says, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Many of us fight over our reputation. Many of us will take to words. Many of us would even take to physical confrontation over somebody that's assaulting us and our reputation. But Jesus said he made himself of no reputation. He didn't come here saying, hey, I'm the son of God, back off. He made himself of no, no reputation. I'm just here. I'm a servant. I came to serve. I came to seek and to save. He's made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Man, I mean, he took the role of a bondservant. That's a servant in bonds. That's a servant who, who's in bondage. When they when the, in the Bible days, they would take a servant. Here's the thing. They would take a servant. You, you know, people want to know, you know, should I get piercings? Here's a piercing I'd challenge you all to get. They're, they're bond servants. They would take an awl and they would drive an awl, an awl through their earlobe into the doorpost of the house. So this would be good for some of y'all. Y'all put things everywhere else. Take it if you're prone to, I'm not really open to piercings. If you got them, I'm not condemning you, but here's a piercing that you should get. Here's a Bible piercing. It's, they would put their earlobe on the doorpost. The owner of the bondservant would drive the awl through their ear into the doorpost. You know Why? Because when that servant went out of the house, the last thing he saw was that hole in the doorpost. And he went out realizing, I'm a bondservant. Because some of us have forgotten who we are. You think this is all about people serving you? It's all about you serving people. That's what I love about this church, man. The way you all served yesterday, it just, I just sat back so, so blessed and so enriched watching, watching people connect with people. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, in times past, I've seen these kind of things and the church people stay over here and, and, the, and the inmates stay over here and Man, our people got right out and mingled and sat and talked and prayed with people. I saw people having, getting in circles and praying for each other. You know what that, you know what drives that? 
a person who knows they're a servant of God. A person who walked out of the door that morning going, I'm going to serve. Man, it was, it was hard. It was windy. It was bees. I've got, glory to God, I got a testimony. God didn't get stung this year. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I got stung like three times last year while I was playing the piano <laughs> where they flew up my shorts. I ain't telling you the rest of the story. And I'm like, they thought I was getting, they thought I was getting hit by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I'm like, ah! It wasn't the Holy Ghost. But people go out with an idea, we're going to serve. It's tiring. Now, you know, I went to bed at 8 o'clock last night. I know I'm old, but I was exhausted. I was. I was tired. I don't know. Y'all young people, y'all, you know, probably up all God, stay up all night. I can't do that anymore. I was in bed at 8 o'clock. And then I was up half the night with this dream. And, pr- and just being pressed on. So I didn't have a really, I thought, man, I'm going to sleep like a baby. Ooh, all that fresh air. And, ooh, I'm tired. Man, I'm going to sleep like a baby. I didn't sleep like a baby. Well, I guess I did sleep like a baby. I kicked and screamed all night. <laughs> but you see, we went out, and we went out as a servant. This is, this, listen, because you wonder, so how, do, how are we going to defeat the powers of darkness? This is how Jesus did it. He took the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He didn't come in the likeness of a king. He didn't come in the likeness of a, of a world, world ruler. He came as a man, just a man, a common man, born in a stable, a carpenter's son, born of a lowly virgin named Mary. But being found in appearance as a man, listen to this, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Why? Why did Jesus go to that point that he humbled himself so far that he was willing to die? Because in his death, he defeated the gates and powers of hell. He brought forth the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he won that in his victory when he went to the cross and he died. Now look at this. He says, Therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'd say that pretty much settles it, that Jesus sits as the unopposed, undefeated ruler of the universe, everything in the earth, under the earth, and over the earth. Now, I gotta, I, I'm going to close with this. Here's, I'm going to ask you this question. How did he do this? Because it has pertinence to you. And here's what the Lord showed me. Because I, I, I think this is important for you this morning. How do you defeat deception and accusation? How do you defeat, defeat the powers of darkness when they assail you? How do you defeat this power of the enemy that would love to assail you. How do you defeat that? How do you defeat it? Listen to this. Write this down. This is not on the notes. I'm done with the notes. You can turn them off. You have to, listen to me, you have to come in the opposite power 
or opposite spirit of your enemy. No, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, because I thought, well, you know, we're, we're called to like rebuke the devil. No, what we're called to do is come against him in the opposite spirit that he is in. This is why Romans said, listen to this. In Romans it says, you overcome evil by how? Because you're coming in the opposite spirit of evil. So how did Satan come? He came in pride and arrogance. How did Jesus come? In humility and submission. And when Jesus submitted to the Father and humbled himself and took the lowest seat instead of the highest seat, and he surrendered to the will of the Father, which meant the cross instead of the crown, when he went to the grave and went to the tomb, why? Because it represented the opposite of what Satan was trying to do. He went to the tomb. Satan was trying to get to the throne. And when Jesus showed up in the opposite spirit of the enemy, Satan's power was broken. Every power of hell was defeated. Because when you show up in the opposite spirit of, of, the, of the devil, you walk in God's power and his authority. And what the church needs to do now in this day and this hour is humble itself. Walk in great humility and submission to God. Because the humbler and submitted more that you are, what you are is more powerful as you walk on Satan, his power, his darkness. You're not going to defeat Satan by be being a bully. Bullies don't beat other bullies. What you do to defeat a bully is you show up in an opposite spirit and God says I will show up in that and I will take that and beat that because this trumps that and that's how we walk in power and authorities. We show up in the opposite spirit. I've had many people Accost me, you know, in my experience. I had a guy not too long ago in prison, you know, and he assaulted me. And he told me, he said, he called me pastor. I don't know what he called me. I think he cursed. I don't pay attention to it. He was angry. He was mad. He was, he was dabbling and hanging around the, I was told, with the Muslim Brotherhood, which has a strong element in, behind prison bars. And he looked at me with fire and anger in his eyes. And he said, you, you are a white preacher preaching a white Jesus to tr try to convert us brothers over to your white religion. I'm like, wow. Pretty much summed it all up. And when he got done, he, he said a few other choice things. And I looked at him because God gave me a great mercy and a great compassion came over me. Because typically when somebody points a finger at me and puts it in my chest... I will break your finger and put it down your throat. But great compassion and mercy came over me. I knew it was God. And I looked at him with eyes of love and I said, you know what? I, didn't, I don't know what the white man has done to you. And I'm so sorry for your anger and your pain. But I didn't come here today with a white man's Bible to preach a white man's Jesus. I came here today for someone just like you. And I said, there's nothing more I'd like to do today than to tell you that God loves you and God has a great yearning and desire for you. 
I mean, I could just see it was like the air went out of his wind. You know, it was like. And when I met his spirit with an opposite spirit, I said, I said, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? That's all I want to do. I just want to, will you just let me pray and I'll move and I'll get out of your hair. He got a little choked up and he started telling me about a family situation he was dealing with. And I knew I was not there to aggravate him. I was not there to agitate him. I was not there to get a testimony. I just bowed my head. I said, Lord, look at this precious man's heart and his condition. And look at this situation. Show your love. And I walked away. You see, what the world, the, look, can, I, can I let you in on a little secret? The world has a bad spirit. Even nice worldly people are not believers. And they're, they're, they're going to challenge you. They're going to, a lot of them don't even believe in God. And when you say, can I pray for you? They're like, get real. I've, been, I've prayed for, I can't tell you, I've asked how many countless people that and all my travels and with Revive and all the ministry I've done on the street and, and I've, I've looked at people and say, how can I pray for you? And I can tell when I meet that spirit and they're like, prayer, who are you praying to? They don't even believe in God. They don't even understand they're deceived and they're disobedient and they're under the rule and reign of darkness. But you know what they do understand? They understand a person who's walking in a good and a right spirit. And so if you're facing something in your life and you're, you're dealing with it, let me tell you, Satan's come. The thing that you need to do is humble yourself and go to God in the opposite spirit of what the enemy. If your children are coming against you, if some enemy, some work person at, at work, your boss or somebody's coming against you, listen to me, you, can, you cannot respond with a similar spirit. You, you get what I'm saying? If they challenge you, you can't challenge them back in the sense of fighting a bad spirit with a, 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 an angry spirit. Because an angry spirit won't fight off a devil spirit. But a humble spirit will. A spirit of wisdom will. A spirit of mercy and grace will. So I want you to bow your heads with me today. For those of you who have been delivered, I think you hear what I'm talking about and and what I'm here to challenge you with is to, is to read Titus and let God give you the right spirit. Now, I, I don't know about you, but the only way you get a good spirit and keep in a good spirit is you got to get chasing after God. Some of you believers are like, you got a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing going. Sometimes you respond in grace and sometimes you respond just like, 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 like the enemy and what what you what you've got to do is you've got to surrender all of your life up to him and, no, and neither the Bible says neither give place to the devil Peter said that the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour don't give the devil a place but I want to ask those of you with your head bowed who are you're here today and you you're scratching your head going, man, I think I might be one of that group he's talking about that's just completely deceived. I've, I don't have Jesus in my life. I don't have Jesus in my, 
in my very even my consciousness I'm just a meme I can get so mean I can get so mad I can get so upset I, I get so disobedient I can get so stubborn I get if that's if I'm just that was that was all of us everyone sitting here at one time or another and if you need to come to Jesus if you haven't surrendered your heart and life up to Jesus then today is your day so with your heads bowed I pray father right now the Holy Spirit you will just draw people in see I, I'm not here to I'm not here to force you into anything Jesus didn't come and make you serve him he came and did everything he did and the Bible says even when we were still sinning Christ loved us even while we were yet sinners even the words of that song we were singing early, even when I was fighting God, he still loved me. <laughs> that just blows me away. Why? Because he was coming in an opposite spirit. So today, drop your pride. Drop your, drop your stubbornness. Drop your resistance and just say, Lord, take me. That's an invitation. It's just an invitation, but I think it's a good one. Jesus said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. Man, he's just waiting to come into your life and make you new and give you a, a whole new heart, a whole new life, a whole new center. So if that's you, with your heads bowed, anybody here today need to make that your prayer today? Would you raise your hand real high? Look, I can see your hand. Anybody else? Father, I just thank you. I pray, God, today that you will touch hearts, change lives.